Before we start the show, just a word from our sponsor, Undeniable Press. For all your screen printing needs, located in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. If you ever need any t-shirts or any other little promo accessories, posters, or whatnot printed up for you, go to Undeniable Press. They're located, once again, in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. And you can uh, reach them at facebook.com slash undeniablepressdetroit. And those same guys who do Undeniable Press also have a clothing line called 20 by 20 Apparel. It's very much wrestling themed. All sorts of nostalgic themes in regards to the history of wrestling. And you can go check out their clothing line at 20x20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20, apparel.com. Now let's start the show. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bummy, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laugh and yelling what it goes. You see me shining like a suit on puffy. You know my grind and shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kicks, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check, but either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh, we fresh. Fresh, 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 fresh. fresh. goddammit, we fresh. Welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast, the podcast about music, pro wrestling, and MMA. I'm your host, Kay Fresh, and we've got a great show for you, like always. But before we get into it, let me just remind you how you can support the podcast. You can always go to freshofthepodcast.com and just share any links that you see on the website and any of your social media. That would be great. There's also a link at the top that says support the podcast, and on that page there is a PayPal link that you can donate to. There's also an Amazon link that you can use anytime you want to make any purchases on Amazon. Use that link and it'll shoot some commission our way. doesn't change anything on your end. Definitely help out the podcast. And also you can follow Fresh of the Word on Twitter and Instagram at Fresh of the Word 1. That's Fresh of the Word, then the number 1. And on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Fresh of the Podcast. And you can also follow us, subscribe us on a slew of platforms iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Mixcloud, Soundcloud, Google Play, TuneIn. Just go to any of those uh, websites, type in Fresh is the Word, and the podcast should come up. You can subscribe, follow, whatever the verbiage on the website is to follow us. And you can also rate us if you want, or leave some comments. That definitely uh, help us out. Five stars if it's applicable. That would be great. All right, so let's get on with the show. This week's guest is Skylar Kroom, the frontman for the North Carolina-based rock band He Is Legend. They have a new album out called Few, and they they, they crowdfunded the um, the recording and you know studio time and all that pro- all that process of uh, making the album. Uh, they reached out to their fans because they are without a label, and they wanted to do it different this time. So we talked about all the, the ins and outs of going into the whole crowdfunding, you know, what they learned from it. And uh, 
it was crazy like they uh, actually went fifteen thousand dollars over their goal uh, so they're you know completely humbled by their fans you know showing up and supporting them in such a huge manner for the making of their uh, new album few which is really awesome i really dig it it's out now through uh spine farm uh, records uh they you know they stepped in and helped out with uh, the marketing and the worldwide release of it and we talk about that you know because that was kind of a bump in the road in regards to uh putting out this album and then like always afterwards for the fresh is the word discussion portion of the show the homie v styles steps in and we talk about what's going on in the world of music pro wrestling mma there's lots to talk about always so before we get into that let's get to the interview with skylar croom from the band he is legend hey kelly what's going on oh, samo samo how you doing doing well we're traveling right now in the in the rv heading to dallas texas Cool, cool. Yeah, you're uh, currently on tour with um, and the, the the Hot Like Sauce tour, Islander, to speak with Wolves and Bad Seed Rising. You know, how's the tour been thus far? It's been great, man. You know, we're about a weekend, and all the bands are cool. The vibes really cool. Um, yeah, it's just hitting it through the south. It's hot, like sauce. <laughs> right, man. It's uh, it's it's right. even hot up here in Michigan. <laughs> Yeah, it's hot in Michigan. Imagine Texas. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, so, um, you guys have a uh, new album out that came out earlier this year called Few. You know, what's been the uh, reception thus far for it? It's been rad. We, um, you know, we crowdfunded our like the project from the beginning and. Um, it was just a, it was a cool process to kind of involve our fans more, you know, and um, pretty humbling to like throw it on the table like that and just have the kids kind of take over and, and help us out. Um, it's, it's really changed the dynamic of like the shows. Um, kids just seem like they are more, I don't know, it's more like a family affair. Like, you know, we're just kind of closer to everyone and, and uh, it's, it's made the shows really cool, pretty intimate. You know? But yeah, the, I mean, everybody seems to love it. And, and by now, you know, kids are singing along and they know the words. It's cool to play some tunes at the at these shows and this run, and, and uh, the reception's just been great. Why did you guys originally go through the crowdfunding process? <clears throat> it was it was tedious, you know. Um, I think we kind of had a, a bunch of toss-up questions that were just like, we're really sure whether or not it was the right way to go. Um, we were off our record label or, you know, kind of free agents at the moment. And I think it was more about proving it to ourselves, like whether it was worth it or not. If our fans, you know, we, we've always known and kind of had a cult following of, yeah. of kids that enjoy our band, but, um, we we just weighed out all the options, you know, looked at other bands that had done the same thing and and kind of just, you know, made a pros and cons list or whatever and picked the things that we liked and the things that we didn't like about other campaigns we had seen and uh, just try to be really practical about it and, and uh, you know, transparent. And we also worked hand-in-hand with, with, you know, 
other artisans that we knew personally, whether they were like, you know, a jewelry maker or a clothing designer or, um, you know, like once they've made a, an action figure. <laughs> so it was like just kind of keeping our fans in the, in the loop, utilizing fans talents that, um, that we admired, you know, and, and kind of promoting other, other people too, you know, I mean, just kind of sharing the love. Um, it ended up being a really, really difficult task, but also it was really cool to kind of just let people know that we were the, we were the ones doing it. You know, we were the ones, once we hit our limit and we, and we saw like, you know, that we were going to make the, we were going to be able to make the record, you know, it's like, okay, now we've got to, you got to get all this done. And like, you know, it's different. You kind of see it from a record label's perspective. You see it from a band's perspective. Yeah. Just having to, you know, where, where it all goes, where all the money goes and how quickly it goes. You know, we spent <laughs> almost, almost all of it in like a matter of a week, you know? Right. Just right. because we had every, everything lined up to go. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a really cool experience. I don't, and you know the the only real speed bumps that that came out of it was was just not not knowing how to um, secure a worldwide release date, and that's where our our friends and Fine Farm stepped in, and like you know they kind of offered us to help us market it and, and put it out there, which was going to be the the most daunting of of all the the little tasks that we had at hand was trying to figure out how to get it in you know, stores overseas and record stores, little boutique stores and whatnot. Yeah. So, um, everything worked out well. What was one of the, the, the main things that you learned sort of in the investigative process of doing the crowdfunding? Just, it seemed to us that, I mean, you know, you hear these stories about record labels and whatnot, just kind of going by the wayside and the this giant change in the music industry. And it's, it's not unlike, I mean, I guess doing research, I, we, we kind of wanted to try to adapt to like the hip hop model, you know, where people were drop mixtapes out of the blue. And I think they do that. And, you know, like dropping albums without, without mentioning it before, you know, kind of in the middle of the night. Right. Because, I think they do that because their their fans are so in tune with them, and like you know, community is is uh, there's like an open line of dialogue, and and for us, I think you know I, I don't think it really works that way with a rock band, but I think that one thing that you can take from that model is that you know if you do have an open line of dialogue with your fans and you give them the opportunity to help, they're more than willing to like stick their necks out for you, you know, and, and yeah. we've, we've been a band for a long time. It's, 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 you know, the, the people that have been there since the beginning and, and followed our career, like, you know, they're the, they're the ones that are, that are helping us out along the way and like really, really going to bat for us. So I think that's kind of a similar, similar model. I got business model just to like, you know, have a, have an open line of dialogue with your fans and keep them in the loop rather than, you know, we kind of were a band of built off of mystique for a while, you know. <laughs> right. Um, so this kind of makes it a little different and a little more intimate for for our fans on this, this album cycle. And 
we've really we've really embraced that you know that kind of coming out of the woodwork with that it's nice to see and have you know we started a street team not too long ago like a 90s style street team so. <laughs> right so we're like you know like like kids are wearing these these he has legend back patches that are like you know color coded for street team and helping us throw like you know we pay suppliers up and stuff it's cool because we you know we we basically you, you can run that off of a newsletter the way you would have probably done right when the internet started so it's uh it's a cool thing i think you know trying to get back to this roots of you know the way we used to flyer for shows when we were in high school you know spending all day in the library cutting out medical journals and stuff <laughs> it's neat right yeah i see that uh you guys raised you know over fifteen thousand dollars more than uh your goal was you know how did that feel that uh everybody came out and supported you guys like that it was amazing i mean you know amazing and very humbling you know to to know that that your fans went above and beyond and and that they kind of had enough faith in us to say like, yes, go, go make a record. And we, we know, you know, we, we trust that you're going to, that you'll do a good job. You know I mean? It, it made it all, it made it the most important record that we've ever done. And it made it, uh, you know, it gave us a lot more creative control and, and artistic liberties when we got in the studio because we, you know, we were, were on our own and, and we were, you know, given ample amount of time to, to produce and, and, you know, spend spend a little more time working on it than when you would normally have a deadline for a record label or, you know, somebody asking you every, you know, week for dailies and stuff. So it was just nice, you know. I mean, it's you kind of cut out the middleman, and, and I think that's what we've been doing a lot um, lately is, you know, kind of trying to keep our team a positive team and a, you know, we have a strict no assholes policy. You know, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's important. I think you know. I think it's like I think Woody Allen has that same that same uh, policy on set. You know, like he just he's the only one that's allowed to be an asshole. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we just you know it's that's very important. I think. It's it shows to our to our fans. They know that too. Yeah. Right. Going into uh, you know now that you have have this budget, you raise this money. You know, going into making few. You know, what was sort of the the mind state of everybody in the band when now you're figuring out what you're gonna write, what you're gonna do with this album. Now that you have <clears throat> sort of this freedom with it all. Well, we uh, pretty much had it all all written. Beforehand, our our recording process has never changed. Okay, um, but you know there were certain aspects that when you know when we when we all hit the goal and but you know we had studio time booked and so we knew we we knew we were gonna one way or the other go into the studios. Um, I think the mindset was just you know there was a lot of tension release because we could. You know, we could we could take our time and we could we could we could like take care of every little aspect, you know, of what what we wanted to do, you know. So um, 
I think it just gave us a lot of liberties, you know, and that, and that kind of obviously was freeing and, and, uh, just, you know, having that freedom in the studio is, is, is something else, you know? Right. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think time and, and stress was one of the main things that we were relieved of when all was said and done with that. And we, you know, got in the studio and got out to the cabin. You know, we tried to create a vibe. It was wintertime, you know, so um, it was just an interesting time of our lives to see all that come to fruition. Right. How did kind of going through this process, this experience with crowdfunding this album, sort of make this this uh, band better for you know just for the future things that you're gonna do? Yeah, I, it definitely changed our the dynamic of of our like our relationship with our fans, um, which which ultimately carry over into the live setting and being on tour, you know. Um, it, it it brought us closer to our fans and and ultimately like I think our fans have been taking very good care of us through this whole thing and um also just it's, it was humbling you know I mean you you had to kind of not not lower yourself I don't like the that sound like if we had to do something you know that we didn't want to do but we had to basically you know bow to our fans and say it was, it was time to make a record and and we didn't want to go backwards from the previous record heavy fruit you know so we essentially took that budget from you know every dollar amount that it took to make that record and and put it on paper for for the people involved with the crowdfunding to see where that money went and where it all has to go at the end of the day um so yeah i mean it's it's it gave us i think it made us a better band in so many more aspects than one, but it, you know, our work ethic grew, our, our, uh, our, you know, we're very good friends. All of us, we like, you know, have a, have a really good rapport with each other. And, and it, it's definitely a morale booster to have something like that happen when, you know, you have a all or nothing clause where it could have very well just went the opposite way. And we could have been a dollar off and not made, a dime off of those projects. So, um, right. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it just, it just, tells me that, I mean, I don't think that, I don't think the record labels are dead or, or, you know, any of that stuff. And I, I don't even know if I would necessarily choose crowdfunding again, but I think it was a really, um, I think it was a smart move on our account. And at that moment in time, because of the state of things and, and how our band was working and, and you know, just everything, you know, the stars aligned for that, for that particular, you know, for that album cycle. And, and um, we just, I think we made the right decision. So Before that was, yeah, yeah, that was, that was for that. Yeah. I think that was good. I don't know. Again, I don't know if that would be something I would do right. over, but <laughs> yeah, it, it was a, it was a lot of work, but it was very, very rewarding. Right. Before you went in, before you even came up like with the idea of even researching the crowdfunding um, idea, you know, what were you thinking about what was gonna you know happen next with the band? Were you worried that you might not have a way of putting out another record? Yeah, well, I mean, we were 
not necessarily worried. We were just more concerned about like, we just didn't want to go down the same roads that we had gone down before, you know, like this, it, it, it needed to be a different process, you know? Um, and mainly it was, it was to prove it to ourselves that we could do it. You know I mean? We could have easily gotten on another label or, or signed another, you know, renegotiated our old, our old contract. It was more about us trying to find our way, you know, in, in a different way than, than normal you know like here's a here's a month to write here's a month to record here's a month to get back on the road you know um we just wanted to do it ourselves so that that brought out the whole how are we going to do it where is it going to go what are we you know what like what happens next is kind of where we why we started researching crowdfunding and and then you know just in looking at other bands and seeing how how they did it what they did that we liked and what they did that we didn't like and you know what seemed like a a good idea or something that would excite a fan like what would excite me if I, if my favorite band was doing a crowdfunding site you know it was a lot that went into it and then lining up all of the perks was you know it was just, it was just like it was a full-time job trying to get everything in order and you know produce and then recording and making the record and, you know, lining up artwork and talking to, you know, the label when it came time to do that and all that, you know, it just, it was a very fun process, but it, it was all the stuff that we knew was going to, we were signing up for, you know? Right. Now, and then uh, little, you know, the tiny speed bumps that happen when you're like, <laughs> how does one get a record into a, you know, boutique record store and, right. And Beijing, you know, like, I mean, we're, so, I mean, and those are things that you're just like, you kind of throw your hands up at the end of the day and you're like, we do need some help, you know, some assistance. And I don't think any of us are ashamed to say that we're stoked to be working with Spine Farm now. I think that, you know, without what we did with this crowdfunding, that would have probably never happened. So. Right. Uh, he is legend, you know, this was a band formed in 2003, but you know, Many, you guys were playing music before then, before that even uh, started. But when you look back in those yeah. early years, you know, what really sticks out during that time of playing with those guys and then forming this band? I mean, that's, that's a, a loaded question, kind of, <laughs> because it's, it, it's been since high school, you know. I mean, we are, me and Matt and Adam have, have been playing together for so long now. Like, this is this is what sticks out, you know, like these sitting in traffic in Dallas right now, just like listening to, to seven dust or corn or something like listening to new metal and feeling nostalgic. And <laughs> I mean, those are the things that those, that's 75% of our, our day on tour, you know, is this, is this travel and you kind of have to be cut out for it. And we've been doing it for so long together. It's, it's, majority of our memories is this is this road you know like this looping snake of a of a road that we've been on so many times um you know there's there's little things there's never like a there's there's no brilliant tour stories or or uh you know like no crazy incidents or whatever i mean those the things that are the craziest things are the things that we probably either wouldn't tell or would be boring if we did, you know, we had a lot of fun and 
we we still love each other and get along really well. So I think that's uh, looking back on it. I mean, you know, you see that you catch these little glimpses of yourself as a young man doing it for the first time, I guess. Um, but then, you know, you, you, you come back to basics and like, you know, we played Austin last night. It's one of our favorite cities always has been. Yeah. And, uh, you have a, you know, killer show and you see a bunch of people that you haven't seen in years. You reminisce, you, you know, have a few drinks and laughs and get on the road and go do it in another town. That's like, that's why we do this. It's for that amount of camaraderie and just, uh, you know, you, it's uh, it's it's not for everybody, I guess, but you know, rockers on the road, hanging out with other rockers, you know. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, I think the um the first time that I ever came across he is legend was with uh your 2006 album Suck Out the Poison, uh just based off a friend yeah. recommendation. You know, kind of looking back at that time, you know, what kind of sticks out in regards to making that album? Um, that was our second record or, you know, second, not major, but like our second like real release. And, um, that was definitely a kind of trying situation because we were on a record label that wasn't exactly, we weren't seeing eye to eye with. And, um, we had a, you know, well, we, we flew across the country to make the record. And I think that was why it was one of the, one of the reasons why now we, we have our home base and we, we love recording there. And, um, I think it was one of those things that they, you know, the record label wants you to have go with somebody who has a name or whatever. And we wanted to go with one person. They wanted to go with another person. And we ended up over in LA and just, you know, a lot of stress factors on just random things that were that uh as young men we were we didn't know how to really process or handle those situations at the time. But we made made do and made a record. I mean and a lot of people love that album. Like I mean I I know that's a lot of people's favorite He is Legend Record, which is it's pretty interesting to hear. Um I uh I don't. I I, I listen to that record and I hear you know just our like coming of age story throughout the whole thing. You know, we were on tour for pretty much like two years straight and then went straight into a like like writing session and then and then flew out west to to record for a month and a half or or so. So um, yeah, it was it was a high stress. That's like going back to what I was saying before. Of, why the when we finally were settling down in the studio to, to start tracking having that that stress level down is you know that's so important um but yeah it's uh also reminiscent of just like you know why being in a foreign place where you're where you don't feel comfortable i mean you know you get it you can it's kind of a hang up i guess right not that, not that I wouldn't want to, you know, now I, I see things a lot differently. And, um, I just, you know, I know we know where we produce the best sound. I mean, we would love, there are places we would love to record just because of where they are, who people we would love to work with. But, um, if, 
if it we're left to our own devices and we we we've done the last three records at Warrior Sound in North Carolina because we know we feel comfortable there and we we know what sounds we get, you know, we, we, we make good he is legend records there, so if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right, right. Yeah, you guys have always sort of poked around to like all sorts of different styles of heavy music and toured with all sorts of different types of uh, of bands. You know, why has it always been important to sort of keep that a, a sense of variety around the band? Um, I think it's, I think that's personal preference, I guess, because we are you know in this band for sure. We all have very diverse tastes and and influences, but um, it, it's also to to kind of curb the minutia of, of being on you know heavy metal tour after heavy metal tour and, and you know those i feel like you go on those those tours and then the music that they play in between heavy metal bands is heavy and it's you know it's, that's not who we are as people i mean i would i would say he is legend is more of a rock and roll band than anything and that's kind of what we define ourselves as um and that's an all-encompassing, like, very broad umbrella. But I think that keeps us open to to being able to go out with bands like that. And and we also, you know, you want to be playing with people that inspire you and, and, you know, have that around you, that energy around you. It's, it should be fun, you know. It should it should be like a, a cool match. So, um, and that's, that's how music used to be all the time. You know, it wasn't these pre-packaged pretty tours it was like you know you you would you would see bands playing together because they were friends you know and they were on tour because they they were like they were homies you know um that should happen more often i think in in this uh this day and age of rock and roll but I, yeah we've we've always tried to keep things diverse and musically on on our records i mean it just comes out of of the fact that we we do make music that kind of is eclectic, so we're allowed to to experiment with other sounds, and um, I think our fans always expect something like that to happen on on each record. Right, and like uh, and like on the current tour, like the Hot Like Sauce tour, um, all the opening bands that are uh, you know you guys are you've been the one that's been around uh, longer. But then you got some like the yeah. the more uh, younger bands on the tour with you. You know how important is yeah. it to like kind of bring along some of like these younger bands on these uh, sort of tours that you're going on now? I think it's uh, you know it's it's more to to kind of lead the way, I guess you know, and, and help help show people that it's not you know there's not just a bunch of just shitty dudes on tour, you know, like some people can be nice and, and, and cordial and, and have a good time. And this all should be fun. And that's, I hope that these bands that are, that are a little younger and, and just starting out and still, you know, as my grandma would say, wet behind the ears, you know, like you gotta, <laughs> you gotta show them the, that they're, it's just a, it's it's not all you know shouldn't all be business and 
it should you should be having a good time and, and giving it your all and, and really relishing and, and remembering these times, I guess. Um, these these bands are going to be on tour regardless. You know that's what that's what you do when you have the bug. And they're they're going to be on their own. You know, I mean, and we're we're glad to have them and watch watch these younger bands like kind of just like grow within a five week tour. You know, watching them learn and and you know doing their thing. I mean, these uh, some of these kids are are very young. You know, and it's 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 inspiring to see. Um, a band, you know, with with really young members that are like, you know, so stoked to be playing and and rocking, and they, uh, you know, we're just watching them do their thing the way we did, and you know, we got we got our feet wet with bands like Killswitch Engage and Story of the Year, and you know, the, they're just kind of doing the same thing, teaching us the way, and and you know ribbing us a little bit for, for being, you know, young punks. <laughs> so, yeah, it's cool, man. It, I think it, I don't, I don't know necessarily if it, if it matters at this day and age, like, you know, age wise for a stage or for a fan to see, I don't think that the fans really care one way or another, how young or old the band is. That's the beauty of music. Like these, Kids want to see music. You know, I don't care who's playing it. Um, so I mean, it's cool to see these. I mean, we've got friends we've had for a long time, and we've got friends that we've just made on this tour. So it's and it's cool. Cool, cool. All right, Skylar, it's been great talking with you, man. Uh, good luck yeah, with man. everything. Um, if anybody wants to find out more information about He Is Legend online, where should they go? Um, we're, we're pretty heavy on our social media, on our Instagram it's, and our Twitter and Facebook. I think they're all at, he is legend NC, um, as in North Carolina. And our website is he is legend NC.com. So all of those can be found there. And, uh, we're, we're heavy on Instagram on the road. You know, we're updating every day. So you can stay with us and see where we're going. Cool, cool live shots. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. All right, cool, man. It's been great talking with you. I'm going to try to make it up to the uh, the show in Flint, Michigan uh, next month. Oh, nice. Definitely uh, come say hi to you. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Cool, man. Well, we'll see you then, man. All right, man. Good luck on tour. Thanks, dude. All right, later. So that was my interview with Skylar Kroom from He Is Legend. Go pick up that new album, Few, right now. It's out. It's really dope. And now on to the Fresh of the Word discussion segment of the show. Like always, I'm joined with my co-host, Detroit hip-hop artist, pro wrestling, MMA, and boxing connoisseur, and guru. Yes! yes! <laughs> and proud Marine, V-Styles. <laughs> what's up, bro? <laughs> what up, y'all? Hey, what's good, K-Fresh? You right, bro? Yeah, man, I'm good, I'm good. Yo, the thing was, like, when I was thinking about what we're going to talk about this week, I was like, all right, the big thing in our world that we talk about this week is going to be UFC 214. But that changed tonight. Mm -hmm. That changed tonight. No, we'll talk about that in a minute. But that changed tonight because on SmackDown, 
just before we're yeah. re- recording this, the return of the Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla. Of Rock and Rolla! Chris yeah. Jericho. And get that was a legitimate... That was a legitimate surprise. Like, the internet didn't ruin that. Man. It was a legit surprise. Yeah, look. <laughs> completely caught me off guard. When I heard the music, I smiled. Like, is it? And the theme come back. It instantly brought more energy, brought more interest, brought back the shit that you love about, you know, Wrestling, Chris Chris Jericho has mastered the art of doing it without doing it. No homo. Right. But he's, <laughs> he he he. All he has to do is just show the fuck up, and it turns into something else, man. So I am extremely happy, even though in taking an L tonight, it doesn't matter because it was against AJ Styles. Everybody takes the L to AJ Styles every now and then. Yeah, and but, uh. AJ Styles is back to being the 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 U.S. champ after he lost the belt this past weekend back to Kevin Owens. And then they had the triple threat tonight with Kevin Owens, AJ Styles, and Chris Jericho. And uh, AJ Styles uh, pulled out the victory to win the belt back. And then, I get, and then automatically Kevin Owens invoked his rematch clause. So next week we're going to have... AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens again. So like I feel like Look, I feel like tonight mo- like I feel like tonight SmackDown re- redeemed themselves from like you know weeks and weeks of the some lackluster programming. You, there's been lax, some lackluster mm-hmm. programming for for the past few weeks or so, you know. So like tonight I think I think they redeemed themselves a little bit. Instantly. Yeah. My boy showing back up. Look, the most important part about about that segment is not necessarily, and I, I love AJ Styles. That's my guy. I watch Woody, but the most important part of that that whole segment, including the match, is AJ Styles made the fucking list. <laughs> <laughs> That's the shit that I'm talking about right there, damn it. That's the credibility. SmackDown is back to me at SmackDown now that my boy is home. Let's just take it in, man. Take it in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. It was oh, every line that he uh, delivered uh, tonight was, was just gold and just brought us back to the good old days. And I smiled, I just laughed. Just like riding a bike. Just like riding a bike. Just sit back and enjoy it. <laughs> just sit back. I was, well, I was laughing so hard, man. I was laughing so hard. But then also, um, tonight they announced that next week it's going to be John Cena versus Shinsuke Nakamura, and the winner goes against Jinder Mahal at SummerSlam. So, <laughs> look, I'm I'm happy. Okay, if... If either Nakamura or Cena can beat Jinder Mahal, then I'll be happy with that. Either one. But odds odds on that it's going to be probably Cena that goes through and then wins his umpteenth title, 16th title or 17th or whatever. Uh, it's probably... Uh, 
Uh, here we go again. <laughs> here we fucking go again with this, man. <laughs> it's gonna. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, you, it, it you is know. what it is. But yeah, man. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about him breaking that 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 record of that he shared with Ric Flair. Um, I think John Cena is good for he's good for wrestling. Yeah, he's he is. not my favorite guy. Right, I me love neither. the fact that that you know my son loves him and you know stuff like that. But you know. Um, the John Cena, you know, I rock with was the John Cena that used to come down to the ring and freestyle with. So, um, seeing him now, and, and he's basically still the same character with more geared toward kids. I, 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 I support that, but it's the same old shit. I would like, you know, um, Skinsay Nakamura to, you know, possibly beat him. And then go and beat Jinder Mahal to set up him and AJ Styles at right. WrestleMania next year. I look that's at where it all will go. Yeah, that would be kind of cooler because you know when I look at it, unless John Cena is is looking to step away from wrestling uh, full time soon or forever, like I don't know if he should break Ric Flair's record by beating Jinder Mahal. Oh look, we can see this too. We can see this too. I can look. I can see John Cena winning, and then Baron Corbin cashing in his shit to, you know, shock the world. Right. And you know, now I wouldn't mind that. And then you get him like love, a couple month title run to the Royal Rumble when Shinsuke will ultimately defeat him again, and then you have. Shinsuke going into WrestleMania as champion to ultimately face AJ Styles, which is our, our dream match. So, yeah, I, you know, they can play this real good with a couple options, but just but as long as it leads to AJ and, and, and Nakamura rocking out WrestleMania next year. Oh, man. That, yeah, that's the match everybody wants. We want, that's the dream match. We want to see the mm-hmm. Wrestle Kingdom rematch Nakamura AJ Styles I want to see all that shit I want to see all that shit yeah but and yeah but I want to see it at the you know at the grandest stage of them all at Wrestlemania exactly let let them go man let them let them cook man let them let them let them cook let them boys cook (laughs) yeah let them cook man (laughs) um yeah you say you you said you didn't watch Raw this week really not much change there's like kind of like a lot of the same stuff that we expecting they announced that it's going to be a fatal four-way at SummerSlam for the universal belts with roman samoa joe braun Strowman against brock lesnar but they're going to have a triple threat match next next monday with roman reigns samoa joe and braun Strowman. um and Braun Strowman threw a security guard over the top rope about 30 feet down the entranceway, and that was hilarious. Um, mm. And they further teased the, uh, and they also further teased the Bray Wyatt versus Finn Balor feud 
that they keep on teasing for the past few months. So mm. hopefully that comes to fruition and we see the demon versus the eater of all worlds sometime now, soon. That would be dope. Yeah, it'd be dope. And they that keep on su- they keep on teasing it. Like they they um Bray Wyatt keeps on coming out and interfering in match in Finn Balor's matches, but then they never go anywhere with it. So hopefully they it's for something. Mm. Oh, also, also, oh wait, also the big news to the big news coming from Raw. Uh, Bailey beat Sha- Sha- Sasha Banks in their match. So at at SummerSlam, it's gonna be Bailey versus Alexa Bliss. So that means. Oh my. Fucking God. So that means our, me and our boy King Mo are going to be beefing for the next three weeks. <laughs> oh, my fucking God. Y'all can have I'm sorry, God, on me because, but yeah, yeah, y'all can have that. Man. <laughs> I, oh, my God. Oh, we, we, we already started on the text messages like right after that shit happened. <laughs> I can't, I can't, yeah, I've seen that. I, I can't even. Like, get the fuck out of here. Really, that happened? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, SummerSlam. Whoa, it's going to be Alexa Bliss defending her Raw Women's title versus Bailey. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> oh, fucking amazing. Oh, but. It's yeah. almost like I want to be like a gan, a fucking gan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, again really? Again, really? is this what we get treated to again? Again, yep, yep. Oh, this is great. This is fucking great. We give Bailey another opportunity. Oh man, both of them motherfuckers, man. This they on the grandest stage. We got to see them. Like I hate Bailey's. You know, when I hear her music, I get mad. <laughs> like, and, and, you know, so soon I hear her music, I think I get mad, like, instantly. Like, her music has the most mad effect with me. Like, when I hear it, you know, there's certain shit you hear, and, and you just get mad. Hers is number one. Like, when I hear her shit, and then you got to look at the little pop-up punk and dial, little punk-ass dial to be on each side, be blowing in the air, waving it. Oh, that's it. It's just a horrible experience, man. It's just female John Cena all day. <laughs> you know, fuck a hug. Fuck all that shit, man. Uh, yeah, I ain't feeling her at all. Not one bit. Uh, makeover. Anybody, makeover. Makeover, anybody. Um, yeah, uh, she, if anybody <laughs> needs one, she needs one. Please, let's do something. Fucking... <laughs> if John if John Cena is fucking fruity pebbles, she's tricks. I'm, 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 it's the same scope, you know, same fucking scope. So I hate even saying this. If I have to even pick anybody in this fucking horrific matchup, because uh, I don't like the girls that she's wrestling neither Alexa Bliss. Hey, that's the goddess know, of I'm, that's the goddess oh of my WWE. God, man. She she makes me throw up in my team fucking Alexa mouth. right like, here. Her, team Alexa right here. I, uh, I don't know, you know, I, but I just know how I feel. I feel <laughs> that 
he's been shoved down our throats too quick. And, you know, nah, um, nah. she don't do it. Shit, shit, that's your girl. I get it. <laughs> I can't fuck with her. I can't fuck with her. I can't fuck with neither one of them, man. In fact, this is my decision. If I had to pick anybody, Bruce is millions. None of the above. I don't want <laughs> none of the motherfuckers. You know. Then to top it off, you got a very lackluster SummerSlam women's champion. Uh, what, what, what's, her, what's her fucking name? The, the Usos. Uh, oh, Naomi? Uh, the... the yeah, Naomi, uh, Naomi. Yeah. I mean, you know, what have you done to my precious belt? The fuck have you done to my precious belt? You don't put lights on that bitch. She made it glow. She's making that's it glow. Similar. Making it glow. Yeah, but that... Yeah, but that's... Oh, my God, man. Oh, man. That, that intro was cute the first week. Now I'm mad at Every week we get the same shit. You know, and I'm... Oh, my God. Horrible, man, but... She's going against Natty first. Her shit is on the same level. She's going against... Her shit is on the same level... Look, her shit is on the same level of what John Cena did with the U.S. belt when he made that, and the world title belt when he made that motherfucker spin. <laughs> Make it spin. <laughs> Let, leave my world titles alone, man. You know, it's bad enough we got horrible designs and all the belts fucking look alike, which takes, which, which takes the fucking prestige away because now you're looking at all the same fucking belts with different colors. Right, and color schemes, shit blows, man. Um, might as well bring the world championship belt back, man. You, where, where's the originality? Like, there's no fucking original, but you wanted to get original and put lights on that bitch. Nah, <laughs> nah. Some lights on that nah. bitch. <laughs> you know, then you got then you got the best woman wrestler in the WWE with Charlotte Flair putting motherfuckers over like. Uh, what's Jim Nightheart's daughter name? Natty. Oh, 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 yeah, oh, Natalia. Oh, oh. What's her name? Natalia. Motherfucking Natalia. Yeah, how? Yeah, she. she on, yeah, she won. She she's gonna be facing uh, Naomi at the at SummerSlam for for the uh, for the SmackDown Women's Belt. Like, I really wasn't seeing that coming. Like, I'm like, oh, all right. You know what makes it worse? You know what fucking makes it worse? Is that she uses her uncle's catchphrase? Like, all, but she, she has but she makes it a part of like she keeps on using it, but then uh, she keeps on saying that Charlotte is doing that, like living off her father's thing when she uh, she does it herself, you know, and she does it even worse. I would like that's a part I of her disagree. gimmick. <laughs> I would disagree. I, I would say that her being Ric Flair's daughter. Motherfuckers are naturally going to be like, woo! Right. They're going to do that because she is Charlotte Flair. So I don't think that has anything to do with her, but I just think that's the respect that the fans pay. So so she's playing off that. I totally get that. And she, you guys, they say she's taking that and made it hers. Oh, yeah. It's it totally. That, that a lot. Um, and she's earned the right to do that with being a multiple champion several times. She's the best female wrestler that that's walking the planet Earth right now. So um, it's the difference when you talk about living off like like David never proved himself. Charlotte proved herself. 
Yeah, you know? now so and now she's like on women's mid card status on SmackDown. Like, yeah, that makes no sense. That's that's the same. That that type shit is the same type shit I'd be mad about what they be doing to AJ Styles. These are these are your best wrestlers. So you're and, gonna and at one time them, and I at mean, one time when she was on um on Raw, she was arguably the best heel in the company, man or woman. Oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. The heat she got the heat she got every week was just incredible compared to, you know, the dudes. And she plays a better heel than she does a face. But even playing a face, she still is the best wrestler, female wrestler in the place. So, you know, um, I don't really get what they're doing to her. To me, it's a smack in the face to see Rusev's wife even wrestling. Yeah, I, ha- um, I hate that. It's just like, she she was, okay, she was the best when they first came to uh, the main roster and she was like the ice cold uh, Russian, like, you know, valet that used to talk about Vladimir Putin and stuff like that, you know, and how the Americans, mm-hmm. you know, bow down, you know, the, the Americans sucked and everything. Like, that was her best, like, time. Like since coming now up, now you gonna have a wrestling. Now we have a wrestling, and and she's wearing like gear that looks like some nineteen eighties rest women's wrestling attire, and oh like my God. it's it's not even like fun, man. I'm like it's uh, just you go you go add her to the fucking mix, and then you got Naomi, who I do think is the best athlete, and you know on the women's roster and SmackDown, but. If the only thing they can get her over is dancing, come on, man. You know, only thing you yeah. we've walked that we've walked that shit before. You what you go? You got to dance, motherfucking Naomi. Can't think of nothing else better to do but to dance and shuffle. And and after that, what's left of you? Nothing. You know, work on your craft, man. You got a couple of good moves, and I'm not saying you're not worthy of the title, but you have a lot of potential, and I think the ceiling's high, and I think you limit yourself to just dancing. And I'm gonna, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna say this right now, change. man. Like they, like on the main roster, either the powers that be need to figure some shit out with these women, or the women themselves got to figure some shit out. Because guess what? They're doing they you know, they've already uh taped the uh the May Young Classic and there's a lot of hungry women that were in that uh May Young Classic that got some true talent. There's people but on their on their, you know, their heels right now, you know, trying to get them spots on the main roster. You got people you got women in NXT right now that very soon could uh could fill those shoes in uh, on the main roster women's uh, spots and possibly yeah, do a lot is. better. There's a lot you of people on them heels right now, so some of them, them women on the main roster need to figure some shit out, you know? Did you did you see Shayna, uh, what's her name, Baszler? Yeah. <sighs> All right, I'm about to start. Dude, I... Okay. She, she's actually she's, she's actually really good in the ring. Um, because I saw her out in Chicago a couple weeks ago when I went to see Shimmer. Um, she was uh mm-hmm. she was a part of that event, and she um, she she can work really well in the ring. 
Uh, she's done time really? in um, many of the, the indies here in the States. She's gone over to uh, Japan for a bunch of tours over there and worked with those women over there. So she's, uh, she's been able to adapt with um, you know, both of those styles, the strong style over in Japan, uh, you know, the stuff they do here in the States. And I'll kind of, you know, work in her MMA background and it all. And she knows how to, like, move within the ring and make it look like a fight, you know, because she comes from a fighting background. So she really is, like, really good in the ring. You know what I don't like, man? Let me tell you what I don't like. What's that? <sighs> She's over, you know, first off, anybody that fights, that fights, you got to show love to. Yeah. So I won't clown on the aspect of being a fighter, but I think she was highly overranked in mixed martial arts and only because she was a friend of Ronda Rousey. Yeah, and she and, ended, up, ended up shit in the bed in the UFC. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I still think it's disrespectful to call yourself four horsewoman. Um... You know, it's like women always got to, not all women, but, you know, you don't have to live off the men. Create your own shit. I don't think the fabulous Moolah did that shit. Arguably, you could compare her to Gorgeous George back in the day. But, right. you know, all, all these, you know, you don't need to piggyback off certain shit. Create your own legacy. That's the thing that bothered me about. That's why it's hard for me to root for Natalia because it's like, damn, you... She was, she's you using know, everything you, from from her family. Every fucking Look, thing, Everything. Man. There's not there's not anything original about it, you know? So. Yeah, that's that, that it. You don't hear, you, you don't hear um, Jimmy Superfly Snooker daughter talking about she's Jimmy Fly Jimmy Superfly daughter every week. She don't even bring that shit up. She just come out there and do her fucking thing. So Right. You know, build your build your own legacies, man. But back to Baszler, you just or Baszler, it's like when she smile, her whole mouth game is like <laughs> her teeth is like fight for position. It shouldn't be like that. Girl, fix yourself up. Girl, get, <laughs> get some break. You know, you 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 can go get some braces. Go do something, man. But I think I think I, I think with her, um, she's uh, she's she's found it, you know, be more comfortable uh, in the wrestling world than you know the, in MMA world. She might have like been gassed up a little bit too much, and the ex- expectations were a little bit too high. So when she uh, See, you know, when she shit the bed in UFC, you know how MMA fans are, man. They, they ruthless on people, man. And oh yeah, I was ruthless on her then. I was, I mean, yeah, it so, change. I haven't seen her wrestle yet, but so I she, don't want to shit good, on her wrestling in the ring, ability. Man. But I do. She's she's good. Like, sure? She's good in the ring, man. Like like she can. Uh, she's a good worker uh, in these wrestling matches. Like in the ring, it's really. It's actually really. She's a heel. She a heel. I'm assuming, right? Yeah, for the most part, yeah. Yeah, she yeah, usually she looks like a heel. She, she can usually be a fucking um... villain all day. Certain people just got a villain appeal to her, and when I look at her, ain't nothing to care about. It's boom, you know. I mean, no this, but you know, that's just the appearance that she gives me. You know. Yeah, like um, in Shimmer, uh, she's a part of this uh, faction with uh, 
Mercedes Martinez and Nicole Savoy, and those two were also in the Mae Young Classic, and they called themselves Trifecta. And they're actually really hilarious as heels because they're, like, super obnoxious heels. And <laughs> they're actually really funny, though, when it comes out to it. <laughs> but, um, no, nah, she she uh, she can, uh, um, she, she knows her way around the ring. And, like, she can do that, uh, the, like, sort of the strong style that, the you know, they do in Japan and but do, like, she she has uh she has variety in her ring uh her ring work you know i, I from the stuff that i've seen it's it, she's uh she's pretty good you know and she can you know definitely uh continue to get better with it i think i want to see my boy matt riddle win <laughs> he's he's doing i want to see him win He's he's doing really great on the indies, man. People, he's making a nice career out of himself, like in the uh, indie wrestling. Um, making more bread than he ever was in UFC. Oh, probably by far, you know. And um, there was uh, they they seen him recently talking with uh, one of the head bookers for New Japan. Um, so I don't know, maybe we see Matt Riddle and uh, in New Japan pro wrestling. But uh, we'll see with that, you know. Um, and New Japan right now is in the middle of their uh, their G1 Climax uh, Round Robin tournament. And dude, like, it's every night is so is so awesome. Like, it's it's kind of an undertaking to watch because it's 19 nights in total, and they do they do them almost every night you know they do take a, a night off every couple of nights but um i'm trying to keep up with them uh each day but uh they they're really like knocking it out of the park right now they're like 6 days in and there's just been so many good matches like it's crazy and like watching new japan right now then is like you get spoiled and then you try to watch WWE, and you're like, I can't watch this, man. <laughs> right. I was looking at it last week, um, watching uh, what's up, boy's name? Uh, your 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 dude, man, uh, dude of U.S. champion. Oh, uh, Kenny Omega. Yeah, I was like, I was watching him defend his belt against a Japanese cat, man. Japanese cat was a tough dude. You can tell he's a little older, but he was a tough dude. Uh, I can't think of dude's name, but it was a great fucking match. Oh, dude, Kenny Omega is such a great ring worker. Like, when, when it's like a serious fight, when it's a big match, he can be really serious and everything. But in any other match, he can bring humor to it, and it's like, but he still keeps the ring work there. It's he's su- he's a master. And that's how I was too. He's such a master like that at too. that. You know, he's such a master at the little things and matches. Like he's literally like it, he's argu- arguably like the best wrestler of our generation right now because he is, just does it so that's flawlessly dope. and easily. It's like crazy. Better than better than better than AJ. Th- to be honest, it's different. Like AJ is a great. Um, it's just a great worker period. It can make any, anybody he fights look better. Um, Kenny Omega is kind of the same way. Uh, but he, but it's a, it's in a different way. He can bring those little aspects of set. 
Kenny Omega is really good at like continually like selling an injury, um, he stuff like that. Like, um, okay, if like this is this was something that um people were like commenting about on one of his one of the early uh, G1 climax matches, probably even the first one. Um, he was selling a a, a knee injury for you know the second yeah. half of the match, and. He would do stuff like if he would try to like do like kind of like a springboard off the top rope, but he would botch it because his knee he was selling the knee injury. And people mm-hmm. and people on Twitter I'm like, "Oh, that was a botch. Oh, he messed up." No, he was not that was not a botch. He was selling an injury. It's not a botch mm-hmm. if you're selling an injury. And Kenny Omega is 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 a master at doing that. Is selling like injuries in the ring like hurting having a bad knee at the time or stuff stuff like yeah, that yeah and then that, that, that's the type of shit that was going on in that match you can see he was selling the injury yeah he sells injuries like like better than anyone he does it's the little shit that he does that really he he knows how to fill in those little gaps to really tell the story in the uh in the fight in his uh in his match with uh um when in his second match with Okada that went to a 60 minute draw there was this time when uh Okada was going for his finisher the rainmaker which is like a like a lariat clothesline that he kind of brings into you and before he could mm-hmm. close before he could clothesline Kenny Omega just drops out of like exhaustion before he can do the cross the clothesline and that was like one of the best spots of the match because it told such a story about how much energy these guys have exhausted and it's little mm-hmm. shit like that that Kenny Omega is just a master at. Like, so, you know, would I say who's better, AJ Styles or Kenny Omega? To me, they're both, like, even right now just for, for different reasons. They're both kind of, like, okay. they're both kind of on the same level, same sort of wrestler, same sort of athleticism and whatnot, but they do certain things differently to sort of, you know, sell the match. Bring out the best of the yeah, yeah, bring out the best of the of the, of the opponent and the story to in sell the, the match in the sell the match in total. Yeah, so like if there was <clears throat> if any time soon that there, if there was ever could ever be an AJ Styles Kenny Omega match, like it would be like right now would be like one of the perfect times ever to have a uh, a Kenny Omega AJ Styles match if it could happen, and it would be like mm-hmm. it would be amazing. It would be crazy. You never know. His contract is in the January. Shit. Never know. All right. Never know. <laughs> yep. All right. Moving on into the world of uh, MMA. Uh, this past weekend, Chris Weidman broke his uh, his three three fight losing streak and was able to mm-hmm. uh, submit Kelvin Gastelum in the third round with an arm tri- uh, triangle choke. Uh, dude, that was actually, mm-hmm. it was, uh, I was, the whole match, I was kind of cringing. I'm like, dude, if Weidman loses for a fourth straight time, dude, this is going to be hard for me to watch, you know? Not that I'm, like, a huge, like, Chris Weidman fan or anything, but I just felt for him so much that, like, I was like, he needs this win, man. He needs to win here, like, in his hometown. If, like, I w- it would be, like, it would actually be heartbreaking to see him lose. He look if Gaslin would have had ten more seconds in that first round, it might 
We might be talking about something different now, but yeah, man, he almost um, had him there, man. <laughs> um, you know, Chris came back. You know, he dealt with some adversity, and you know, he won the fight. Good for him. But um, my question is, you know, during the post-fight interview, you make these comments, you know, about Michael Bisping, and everybody know. There's no way I'm a Michael Bisbing supporter um, in any shape, form. Uh, I don't know him personally, but just from the actions of him being champion and what he's done, it's pretty abysmal to the middleweight division. But even I have to look at Chris Wyman and be like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about, man? <laughs> you know, um, You know, I'm the champion. Dude, you've lost three fucking fights in a row. You 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 lost to Gegard, you lost to UL Romero, and who was the other dude he lost to? Uh he lost to um to uh it was Gegard. Oh Luke Rockhold. Gegard and Luke Rockhold. So yeah. you talk about yeah. three fucking fights in a row that you lost, but yet and don't get me wrong, I would have would have understood you. I can, you know, I can understand every middleweight clown to Michael Bisping because of the climate that he's bringing right. aboard. You know, the middleweight division. I totally get that. But for you to say some shit like everybody knows I'm the champion. Nah, dude, dude. You, you just won. How? You 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 just won your first fight. You know. In a very long time, so go you sit know down. to quote the to, to quote Lauren Hill, and not even you know I'll I'll say this three times. <laughs> you just lost one. You just lost one. <laughs> you just lost one. So you lost three in a row, and then because you be Kevin Gasolin, and because you have some type of anger towards. You know, Michael Bisping, that I'm the champion. Dog, I know you, you know, that was some emotional shit to say, and I feel a certain way about Michael Bisping, too. Right. But you are definitely not the champion. You have two more, two, three more fights before, hey, you know what? Let me get that title shot again. Right now, you're just a person that. Should be thankful that he has his first win out of, you know, out of four fights, you got one win. You should be happy because you easily could be on the zero or four streak. So let's just take this fight with Kevin, which is a tough dude. Let's take this and, and be thankful. Um, you know, you could have thrown a lot of shit at Michael Bisping, but I think you dropped the ball by calling yourself the champion. Because you're not the champion, brother. I'm sorry. And I like you. I picked you to be Anderson Silva. You did that twice. And, and But, yeah, you, you're you not the champion, boss. You're former champion, but you're, not, you're definitely not the champion. I'm the champion. Everybody knows I'm the champion. No, God, <laughs> you not, no. That was some emotional. Like, that was a... I get it. It was emotional, like, that was that moment. Everybody knows I'm the champion. That's when it got real quiet, like, huh? what? <laughs> no. 
as much as I like Michael Bisping, I was like, well, you know, Michael Bisping is, you know, I had to grab my teeth. He's the champion. He's the champion. Yeah. You know, yeah, I didn't get that, but, you know, salute to him on breaking that streak. That's what it's all about, man. You know, get your confidence up, man. You know, get your confidence up. Right, definitely, definitely. And this weekend is uh, UFC 214, the long-anticipated rematch between Daniel Cormier and John Jones. Let's hope that nobody gets injured or misses weight or any other sort of circumstances from now until Saturday so we can actually no, see this come fight. On, Kelly, you, come on, Kelly, you fucking up, man. Let's say, let's just say, let's hope John Jones don't fuck up between now and Saturday. Let's say that, you know. Hey, John, don't fuck this shit up. Don't fuck this up. Yeah, come you on. Know, come on, man. Uh, let's not fuck this up. Um, but continue, Kelly. I'm sorry. It's all right. It's all right. All right. I, I mean... I mean, who do you got? Who do you got in this? Who do you? What do you think is going to happen? Well, um, this is the moment of truth for both fighters. Um, every excuse that DC has, um, he can't. A- after Saturday, he won't be able to say or use those excuses. Um, do I think John Jones is a PED user? Possibly. Generally, where smoke best fire. Um, most dudes don't profess that they use. You know, it's too much machismo involved with dudes. Right. Real dudes don't come out and tell you that they use dick pills. Right, right. Yeah, what's up with that? Yeah, oh, yeah, I use them all the time. Oh, yeah, I use them. Like, you proudly, like, you said that shit in public. Like, that's almost like, you know, that's like Usher coming out talking about he got herpes. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, they're definitely, one is a disease and one is not, but there's certain things that dudes keep to themselves, man, and they don't want, want it public. And one of the things that we don't want public is, you know, how we're able to get hard erections. <laughs> not me per se, but that's how <laughs> John Jones basically put it out there. That's not something that you just talk about. That's not normal. So that's the first red flag right there. You it's, know, you it's like, use it's like, it's like some, I mean, I understand with some people like owning your, you know, your flaws from your past and, you know, making a joke about it or whatnot. But when it comes to that, and like he has those T-shirts about Coke and stuff like that, yeah. it, it almost comes off as arrogant and not like yes. humbling. Yes, like yes, and th- that's what I don't like. It's not, it's not, and, it's and not from is, a humble place where he's making fun or, or you know, it's it's not coming from like a you know a good place or whatever, a rebuilding place or whatever. It comes off as arrogant, like. What I and yep. it's very uh. yeah, it's, it's and that's the problem that I have, and that's why I started this conversation off as far as John Jones goes. That's why I started off like this because I look at him 
And it's like, damn, dude, all the shit that you have been through, you still haven't learned your fucking lesson. And and it's like, you know, and I understand, and like, I understand if you want to like poke fun at your past or whatever. But there's times when I'm like, I don't know if he's actually poking fun or if he's. Gonna, I think he'd be serious. Or he's he's actually being because he says like after he wins this fight, he's gonna have like the biggest after party ever. Biggest party. And Look, he's gonna go somewhere where TMZ I, is not gonna be at. Like, are you being serious? Like, look, look, <laughs> and 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 to say that shit, and then to say shit like, oh, so what? I, 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 you know, I beat you after two weeks of having coke, and you know, so what? You know, I mean, it's like it's it's so nonchalant how he's acting, and that's not that's not normal. That's not. Right. regretful that's not like you can't get any sincerity out of what he's saying which leads me to believe that he hasn't learned what humbleness is all about what he should have right especially especially when you talk about you've you know two of the biggest fights of all time and and, and you fuck it up you just keep fucking up. And, like, for me, the strategy that I would have used, even if DC was talking all his all his shit about him, I just wouldn't have said nothing. I would have I paid DC, you know, compliments. I would have not necessarily, you know, you pay a man, you give a man his just due when it's deserving. Yeah. Um, but when I know that I've done shit in my life, that, you know, now you're talking about a person's character and you're talking about, you know, so you're looking at this person's character and no no matter how dope you may seem in, in the cage, man, the character overrides all that bullshit. It's hard for me to, you know, um, you know, Floyd Mayweather is hated more than John Jones. Yeah. And I think it should be I think it should be the other way around. You know, <laughs> I think Floyd I, I think John Jones should probably be the most hated fighter in the world. Um he's cheated. You know, um I've talked to fighters that have taken a little hit of cocaine, you know, before their fights because they're getting hit in the fucking head. Yeah. Like I've had I've had these conversations like, wow, I didn't know you guys do that. So where, you know, you you you, you think about it, it's like, wow, I've really had these fucking conversations. What's really real is I was having these cocaine dis- discussions about John Jones. Um, 2011, 2012, you know, having breakfast with a lot of well-known fighters. Yeah. And that just... That just I think I told you about that before it even popped off. Yeah. Um, you know, we would have these conversations and you know, people know who I rock with and you know, Mo's not the type of person to talk about stuff like that, but you can't help to be around it because that seemed like to be the 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 topic of conversations and when you hearing dudes talk about dudes that you see on T V and then you hear years later you know, not here. You see years later that he's getting caught up. I was like, for me, it was like, wow, that shit is true. I heard about this shit years before. Right. You know, you, like he, when he when he got caught, it was 
like hits on Twitter from chicks like, wow, y'all just not finding that out, which leads me to believe that he had been doing this for a long time. He just he just got caught. And to not have any remorse, we talking about a guy that hit a woman, left the scene, came back to the scene, came and grabbed, you know, miscellaneous items, what could be money or drugs or possibly both, and left the scene again of a pregnant woman at an accident with a broken arm. Like, I still think about that type shit. And to me, when I hear him have these interviews and I, I, I see him, you know, talking, you know, or whatnot, yeah. it's like, damn, dude, you are, you are not, you still not fucking humble. So I don't know what type of PR team he has or if he has one. But they are not doing a good job, which it's leaning for me to root for D.C. again um, because I, I think, you know, had we – John Jones is a light heavyweight, but if you see this dude person, he should be a heavyweight, period. Yeah. He's a dude that cuts a lot of weight. Um, you know, again, being around this stuff and, and, and seeing, not necessarily around it, but seeing or hearing these conversations that I have on how you see dudes cut weight, you know, um, it wouldn't surprise me that he used that to cut weight or he used that to not feel some pain. You know, you take a shot to the head. Uh and fighters do that shit. They'll deny it to the fullest, but but they do that shit. So uh, it's kind of hard for me to believe that a grown man would just submit and say, "I've used dick pills." Like that's <laughs> the ego thing. We not go right. We not man. go do that. Like, so 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 I I I say that to say this. We're gonna find out if John Jones is the real fighter that we that we've always seen, you know, or we're going to see the man that looked like he was half the man against OSP. Right, you right, know, right. Because going back, going back to that OSP fight, you're like, wow, what the fuck happened to John Jones? There's a couple of things I always said when you're talking about John Jones. John Jones looks great against smaller fighters. He's always going to be the bigger fighter unless he fights people his size and his reach similar to Alexander Gustafsson and what OSP uh, offer. Even though OSP is not as good as John Jones, he still was his height and he was lanky like, uh, like John Jones. He has trouble against fighters his own size. Um, he dominates the smaller fighters, if, if you ever looked at his fight. So he's supposed to win if you think about it. You know, when you talk about a dude six one six two six three, with the reach that he has, that other attributes that he has, and you're fighting dudes that's barely six feet, you're supposed to win these fights. So um, we're going to find out. We're just going to find out Saturday, you know, if it was real or if it was bullshit. We'll be able to find out. We'll find out within the first two or three rounds if John Jones is a John Jones do we know or if he was the fraud that, you know, been using PEDs, you know, a good portion of his career. Because DC believes that, you know, that that 
DC DC believes that John Jones been using, you know, PEDs and right now it's kinda hard to dispute that, especially when you've been popped for certain drugs that we know rejumps your system after taking steroids. Yeah. So, you know, um we'll find out. You know, all in all, I want to see John Jones win. But it's hard to co-sign a dude when he's constantly fucking up. Right, right, right. That's just real. So, And I'm not even sitting up here, you know, I I watched D.C. when then nobody knows who D.C. was. D.C. had three, four fights when he was on Strike Force on the card. And, you know, I was there in Cincinnati. We didn't nobody know who we was when he knocked out Bigfoot Silver. I met that dude. Um, I was at CMO against Roger Gracie, and I met that dude. Nobody know who he was. He's walking past him. I went up to him. I was like, congrats, man. You know, I remember you wrestling at Oklahoma State and being an Olympic alternate in wrestling because I wrestled. Um, but I didn't know that he was a fighter. You know, Mo is the one that got DC into mixed martial arts. You know, he was, you know, DC didn't know what he was going to do after his Olympics career was over. Mo the one that suggested, hey, man, you should try fighting. So they came up in this sport together. Yeah. And and to see where he's at now on top of the world, you know, um, you know, sometimes I wish DC would chill out too. Um, cause that dude that I met that night is not the dude that I see now. The dude that I see now is, you know, he, I'm not going to say he's cocky or anything like that, <laughs> but you know, his humble level, you know, although him and John Jones are completely different, you know, I can't say that his humility, his humility is, is that great. Because the dude that I met at that Bigfoot fight was a humble dude that was happy that anybody recognized him. Right, now right. he's a champ, and he always you know, got jokes. It's, it's a little, it's a little different now. But <laughs> I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for him. I want to see him win. I want to see John Jones win. But I want him. To, I want him to to do it the right way, man. I right. ain't take no shit off nobody. But you know. When you're him, he will never, ever have room for error. So how you defeat that is not even feed into bullshit. And he feeds into the bullshit, which allows him to talk a lot of cocky and arrogant bullshit to where people like me will look at him like you you still haven't learned yet. So, you know, um, let's hope we see a good fight and uh, may the best man win. Right, right, right. And also on uh, UFC 214, we got a couple other title matches. We have our homegirl, Chris Cyborg, going against Tanya Evinger for the featherweight uh, women's title that was vacated when they took it away from Jermaine Durandamy. Then you also have Tyron Woodley. You talking about he was scared to fight Chris Cyborg? Dude, 
Yeah. <laughs> I want to okay, bring something up in a minute okay. here, but also like you have Tyron Woodley versus uh, Damian Maya for uh, the welterweight title bout. Uh, we got a couple uh, championship bouts. Uh, going back to Cyborg, you know the funny thing was is that oh, we got wait, 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 we got we 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 got Cerrone against uh, Robbie Lawler too now. Oh yeah, we got we got we got Cerrone and Ro- uh, Robbie Lawler, and then we also have uh, Jimmy Manoa versus. Uh, uh, Vulcan Ozdemir also. So we got some. That's uh, a hell of a card. It's a That's hell, of a, hell card. of a card. Yeah, man. We got a lot of a lot of good fights coming up. You know what's crazy about the, like the whole cyborg situation? Uh, this week on the um this Monday on the MMA Hour, uh, uh, Ariel Hawani interviewed uh, Jermaine Durandamy, and she was talking about. Now, can you can you decipher this? She said that the plan all along was she was going to do the fight with Holly Holm for the 145 featherweight title belt, you know, to crown whoever the first one is. And then she she literally said that after that fight, she was going to go back down to 135. What kind of a plan? What kind of plan? Yeah, who does that? Like the plan? She's telling. She's saying that all along the plan was to do the one forty five fight, but then go directly to one thirty five afterwards. And I'm like, huh? You know, when I hear shit like that, and it'd be so obvious. Certain memes come to my face uh, (laughs) or come to my head. Come to my head like the dude looking. At it, and he's smirking his lips up with the with the big ass diamond uh, earring stud. He looking the little. I don't know if you've seen the meme with the black dude. He being he look. He just looking. He he got the you you full of shit look in his face. Yeah. Or the other the other one. The, the song to come is ooh you girl you know you lying <laughs> always lying. That, that's what I think about when I hear that type shit because. Who fucking becomes champion just to say, hey, I'm going to get this shit up and go back I, down 10 pounds? I felt like this whole like interview that she was doing was like a big just cop-out to, uh, you know, to not fight Cyborg. Because she kept on saying how fighting is just a hobby. It isn't her full-time job because she's a full-time uh, cop in, uh, back in her homeland in, uh, in Holland. She's a police officer. And that fighting is just a hobby and it's not her full-time thing. So she can't, you know, she can't train all the time. And, and, and before she that... She trained for Holly Holm, though, right? But it was, like, the, the interview was so confusing. I'm like, then why did you do all of this? If you just wanted to fight, then just fight. But don't go after, don't agree for a title that you're not going to defend. Like it was the most confusing bout. I mean, an interview. I was just like, huh? huh? That's that's called that. That's that's that Chris Cyborg itis. Like you know, you get that Chris Cyborg itis. You don't. Motherfuckers gonna be wanting that problem. So that problem is in front of them. Then they're like, wait a minute, hold up. Let me go right on over there and I chill. You know, we maybe we come back and talk about this a hundred years from now. But and this was let a, me and let Jermaine Durandamy was somebody that a lot of people at one time were given were respected. Gi- respecting her and and were thinking that she could possibly be the person who beat Cyborg. And I never thought that. I don't think nobody out there could smash my girl Chris. But people um, actually get had faith in her though, and she didn't come through <laughs> with it you know and she and she keeps on saying like oh art my team we talked it over about the whole 
past, you know, PDE, steroid use, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, come on, yo, come on. Like, yeah, that that's some bullshit. Like, it, that's some straight bullshit. Like, but I'm glad that finally Chris Cyborg gets the chance to finally get the title that was made for her. And I want to say this. I want to say this shit before um, Bruce Buffer get an opportunity to. <clears throat> and new featherweight champion of the motherfucking world, <laughs> Chris Cyborg, man. Yeah, that that has a great ring to it. Right. Um, it really um. To me, it sucks that she had to go all through all this shit for years just to get that love now. Just because they love Money Train couldn't, you know, produce what they thought she could produce. So now you want to give it to the person that you know who can produce. So, you know, fuck you, Ronda Rousey. Fuck <laughs> you for cheating all of us. So, uh, what do you think is going to happen in this uh, Tyron Woodley Damian Maya fight? You think? Uh... Um, it's that that's an interesting fight. Yeah. Um, I think Tyron is going to do the right thing and not go to the ground with this guy. Um, I think Damian is going to try to trap him a lot. Yeah. But the goal, the goal for Tyron is um, keep your distance, use your jab, use your kicks. Um, don't grapple with this dude. I don't care how cocky you are with your wrestling. Damian Maya has a don't. way of like, if he can touch you, he'll get his whole body on you. He'll get, and then he's <laughs> like a fucking snake. Right. Um, I don't know how he does it, man. But uh, if he if he can touch you. Look, Next thing you know, he's all around look, you. <laughs> I, look, when Mo fought Roger Gracie, and if you know anything about jiu-jitsu, Roger Gracie is arguably the greatest jiu-jitsu practitioner of all time. He just won his uh, last fight, I believe, either on Saturday or Sunday, and he beat another 10-time world champion in, in jiu-jitsu, and he choked him out. Um, as high-caliber wrestler Mo is, being an Olympic alternate for the Olympic team, um, my biggest concern was, dude, I know your wrestling is excellent. I'm talking about we didn't have to worry about that shit at all. Right. But are you going to try to take this dude to the ground? And Mo looked at me and was like, well, why the fuck would I do that? I mean, it's like, <laughs> you talking about it, you talking about a dude that's cocky about his shit that he's, that, that, you know, he feel like he can take anybody to the ground. Right. Why the fuck would you go on the ground with a, a dude that, you know, of that caliber? Right. Damn, Damian Maya is bit from the same cloth. So if he gets any peace, Tyron Willie. Tyron Willie has a a history of gassing. Right. In the third, fourth round, he gasses. If Maya gets him, Maya go choke him the fuck out. 
And uh, I want to see, you know, not no distance to Tyron Woodley, but I kind of want to see Damian Maya win, man, because he's an OG. Right. And this might be his this might be his last opportunity to even get that. So I kind of want to see one of them stories, man, to where you can smile about it. Yeah, man. Da- Damian, Damian Maya has been uh, has been you know. He's been waiting for this shot for so long. He's been choking motherfuckers out. He's been, he's been, you know, upstage. You know, they've been passing him over so many times for this, uh, for this shot that you know I'm glad he finally gets it. But like this could be his only shot. Think about the fight he had against Andrew Silva and Anderson Silva when people called that possibly the worst MMA fight of all time. Right. Think about that. To go from that to come to this and win, that's a fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Fucking, fucking, fucking movie. Fucking movie. So, I kind of want to see Damian Maya win, man. I think it would be cool for the sport. Definitely, definitely. And, and as far as Robbie Lawler... And Donald Cerrone, I like both of them dudes, but I watch with Robbie Lawler, always have, always will. And I watch with Cowboy Cerrone, too. I can't front. I'm a fan of both of them dudes. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let's just see where it goes, man. Let's see where it goes. So right now, early-wise, I'm going to pick Robbie Lawler. Yeah. Now... This Jimmy Manoa Vulcan Ozdemir match. Do you think this could be like whoever wins this match gets whoever wins between Cormier and Jones? Uh, that's a possibility, but not necessarily because you gotta. I think Jimmy Manoa should have to fight uh, Alexander Gustafsson. I yeah. think Alexander Gustafsson is the real number one contender. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would agree with that also. Yeah. You know, Definitely. that dude, uh, you're talking about quality opponents, um, razor-sharp losses. I'm talking about, like, very close contested fights against the the former champion and champion, uh, convincing wins. His only, his only, you know, flaw was, was the, the Rumble fight. And it's no shame that, you know, getting knocked out by Anthony Rumble Johnson. Right. So <laughs> I would um I would um I would have to say that uh you you go with him as the number one contender and I would like to see him get the next shot. Definitely. I yeah, I would uh I would definitely be uh for for uh, Alexander Gustafson to uh at least get the next shot or have to fight the winner of Manuel and Ozdemir. Yeah, I think he deserves it. I don't yeah. think he should be passed over. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. So, yeah, 214, probably uh, probably the strongest card of the year for the UFC. Hopefully nothing nothing goes down for the rest of the week. And what's planned for right now comes to fruition. And we have a very exciting card come Saturday. And we'll see, maybe we'll see some new, we'll definitely see a new champion in the women's featherweight, but maybe we'll see some new champions or we'll see some, uh, 
some champions defending their belts come this Saturday. Indeed, indeed. And uh, don't fuck this up again, Jojo. Please don't fuck it up. <laughs> All right, I think that's the that's it for this week's fresh is the word. Uh, v Styles, where can people find you online? Okay, you find me online at the Twitter, at the Instagram, and at the regular Facebook at forward slash V Styles. That'd be V S T Y L E Z. And if you want to hit me at my official verified page on Facebook, hit me at official V Styles. That's forward slash official V S T Y L E Z. Word up, word up, word up. Thanks for joining me. Goodbye and good night. Peace. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.